0: Hey y'all, my name is Bailey Bronner and you are listening to Ask a Pastor Anything, a space for questions, exploration, and curiosity. Each episode, I sit down with a new or old friend to discuss a question you all wanted to hear about. Welcome to Ask a Pastor Anything. Let's get into it. friends. Welcome to our first episode of Ask a Pastor Anything. I'm so excited to get this rolling. And today I have an exciting guest. Her name is Reverend Elizabeth Hurd, and Elizabeth is a friend of mine. We met in seminary at Boston University School of Theology. Um, She was a year behind me, so we had two years together. And Elizabeth is a pastor in Michigan right now. So welcome, Elizabeth. It's great to have you. Thanks for having me. I'm really
1: excited to be here and excited that you're starting this. This is fantastic. Thank uh,
0: you. Yeah. So can you just tell folks a little bit about yourself, um, your name, your pronouns, uh, what you do or what you're passionate about, anything else you want to share about yourself?
1: Yeah. So, um, well, as you said, my name is Reverend Elizabeth Hurd. My pronouns are she, her, hers. Um, currently I am a pastor in Caledonia, Michigan, and let's see. I always hate getting asked about like what I'm passionate about because as a pastor, I feel the need to say like everything. I love everything. Um, but I think one of the biggest things I'm passionate about in ministry is a uh, camp ministry. So every summer I dean at a middle school camp and that's really fun because you get to kind of escape into creation a little bit and um, just lead some young people on uh, a faith journey and uh, have them ask you anything and and get to see where they're at. So that's one of my biggest passions as a pastor is um, ministering to our uh, young leaders, as Bailey puts it um, in her church.
0: I stole that from one of my staff people, Eric, so I'm going to give him credit uh, where it's due, but I love it too. Um, What do you do besides church stuff? When you're not doing ministry stuff, what do you love to do? Oh my goodness.
1: Well, on a day-to-day basis, it probably looks like sitting down with a good television show like on Netflix or just re-watching my favorite television show, which is Doctor Who. Um, but when it's nice out, I like to get out and hike, um, with my dog, Lucy. Um, and I like to be able to go out to dinner with friends, um, you know, when we're not in the middle of a pandemic, but yeah, just kind of hanging out with people, enjoying the outdoors when I can and enjoying some good
0: television shows, which makes me sound super boring, but that's pretty much my life. (laughs) No, I think being in a job where you're with people 24-7, it's so nice to just be alone for a couple minutes. And yeah, especially now I'm kind of like refueling my social energy a little bit. Yeah. So I don't think you're boring at all, but I also do the same job that you do. So
1: <laughs> yeah, it's nice to be able to just like every once in a while sit down and just turn my brain off. Um But then of course, like I could be in the middle of watching or reading something and I'm like, oh my gosh, that's like the perfect sermon illustration. Gonna make a
0: note of that. So truly always working. You can never escape it, even if you have really good boundaries. Yeah. Yeah, pretty much. Yikes. (laughs) It's all good. though. It's fine. Um, Perfect. Okay. So um, if you are good with that, we'll go ahead and jump into our question for today. All Um, All the questions have come from different people um, on the internet. And so this is a a plug for you. If you're listening and want to submit a question yourself, you can either go to Uh, the podcast website, which is anchor.fm slash askapastoranything, or you can go um, find me on social media. I'm Bailey and Bronner everywhere, and ask a question, and it can be used for a future episode. So somebody submitted the question today uh, that is a a great question, and I think one that's pretty timely now as we're kind of entrenched in a new season of, of ministry and of church. They asked, how do you meet people outside of your faith community friends, hobby groups, et cetera. So I'm going to ask uh, Elizabeth to start out and then we'll just uh, chat about that for a little while and and see uh, see where it goes. So Elizabeth, how do you meet people outside of your faith community?
1: Yeah, I think that's a really important question, um, especially since as pastors, we can so often feel like our faith community is our main community. Um, But I really think it starts by intentionally sitting down and figuring out what your interests are and what your hobbies are or something that you've always wanted to do. So like this past uh winter I sat down and I was like something I've always wanted to try is to like take a comedy class. And when I was in Boston I had thought about doing like a stand-up comedy class cuz I really like crafting stories and telling them and I feel like that's what stand-up comedy is, but um, over in Caledonia uh, the biggest city near us is Grand Rapids Michigan and I couldn't really find a stand-up class over there but I found an improv class and so after some debate I was like you know what I'm just gonna I'm just gonna jump into this and I'm going to try this and I ended up really loving it and kind of thriving in it so um yeah I just sat down thought about something I've always wanted to do found something that was similar to it, and just kind of bit the bullet and and jumped into it. So I mean, I got me out of my house, it got me doing stuff that I loved. And I got to meet some new people, which was a lot of fun.
0: I think that um, I've been really, I guess, inspired is the word of when you ever whenever you tell me about like what you're doing with the comedy thing. And, and it's just really cool. Because I think that sometimes ministry can be a safety net for me. Like I think that being a pastor is like an identity that's super safe for me to hold. Because I always have like a leadership role in whatever I'm doing, and so I don't have to like, um, I don't have to like exist in the same way. Like I don't have to like be a human being and get in touch with my um, emotion. Which okay, makes me kind of sound a little bit like cold and like standoffish as a pastor. But I mean. Like, it's so nice to be able to have an identity where I don't have to, like, reach out necessarily in the same way that I do when I'm, like, a normal human being. Um, what has your experience been like in those different spaces? Like, do you tell them what you do? Or, like, are you – do people care? What does that relationship look like between you in, um, in spaces outside your faith community and your job that you do on a nine-to-five basis?
1: Well, what's really funny is the first night of the improv class, we were doing this game called Yes And, where we were kind of paired off with people, and one of the people had to start the scene, and the other person had to react. And it was the other person's turn to start the scene, and the scene starts with, So Pastor Elizabeth. And I had not, it was the first night I hadn't told them that at all. But in that moment, I was kind of like, no, you You know, what's really funny is that I am a pastor. And I think that was one of those things where it was nice because I chose to say that. And like, they probably would not have known that I was a pastor unless I had said that. Um, but it's so interesting because I don't think in that, time or that space, it really shifted how they saw me. Because like, I think in the back of their mind, they knew I was a pastor, but I was still really getting into scenes and being a little raunchy, swearing sometimes, sorry, mom and dad. Um, <laughs> but, you know, just just really being a human being. Um, and I think that's like, what's super important to me is in the spaces outside of my ministry setting i don't care if people know that i'm a pastor because that is my job and it's a very big part of who i am but i also don't want them to like think they need to see me as more or less of something like i'm still a human and that's what i strive for in those in those situations it's like yeah being a pastor is a part of who i am and you know that but you know, pastors are human too, and I'm not here in the capacity of being a pastor. I'm here in the capacity of being a human. Um, and I think what's really great is that kind of stems from the friends that I have here in Michigan that I've known through camp um, or through just meeting in other ministerial ways. Um, having that permission to be myself outside of that gives me permission to be myself in other situations. Um, And reminds me that being a pastor isn't my whole identity, which is nice to
0: be reminded of sometimes. (laughs) Yeah, no kidding. No kidding. Um, Do you think that the, I guess, boundary has changed at all? Like from even like when you're like the older pastors that you see leading versus like you as a younger pastor? Like, do you think that there's any kind of variation in the ways that, those two sort of generations of pastors are interacting with people outside their faith community, or if they are at all?
1: I think that there is a little bit of a difference. Um, and something that I really credit the pastor who I followed into this church with is setting up a really good boundary with my congregation. Um, because I, I keep hearing stories of like a couple of pastors before me um the pastor would open up the parsonage for parties um or for Bible studies and that kind of thing um and the pastor that I'm following didn't carry that on and so there's now a real sense in the congregation like yes the parsonage is a place that the church owns and um that their pastor lives in for a short time um But it's also like, that's the pastor's home. And I think that's really nice. Um, because, and I think that kind of gets to the heart of your question where it's like, I have space now where I can go and I can be a human and I don't feel obligated to let the congregation into it. Um, whereas beforehand, I think there's this sense that pastors are always a pastor and you're always on and you're always living in that bubble. And, um, I think that's definitely something that's shifted. I'm not 100% a pastor all the time. And I think that's what being able to kind of have my own space in the parsonage does um, and setting up that boundary. And I think that's the boundary that younger pastors tend to set up is like, we are not pastors 100% of the time. And you can't expect us to be pastors 100% of the time. There are moments where we just have to be human as well.
0: Totally. Yeah. Yeah. Something I've been finding kind of challenging, I guess, when we talk about this question about how you meet people outside of your faith community is the ways that I'm trained to interact with people because of my job carry themselves into my personal relationships as well. And that's really challenging because it's hard for me to separate like even even being pastoral as like a trait or like a set of skills that I've acquired, it feels weirdly similar sometimes to the conversations that I have, like with my friends or with, um, you know, people that don't care what I do for a living people that like aren't seeking pastoral care for me or things like that. Like, do you run into that? And like, how do you, um, if you do, like, what is it, are you able to separate the two or how do you do that? I don't know. I guess I'm asking you for advice more than,
1: um, <laughs> I'm actually really, really bad at that too. Um, 'Cause I'm just like, I wanna know how you're doing and I wanna know how it is with your soul. And um I I've had my friends tell me, like, I don't need a pastor right now. I just need you to be a friend. Um, and I think that's a really great reminder is like kind of having um my friends hold me accountable and be like, I don't need you to do this for me. I need you to be my friend and not my pastor. Um, and sometimes even setting that up myself, like I'm like, I'm gonna tell you something as a friend and not as a pastoral person and they're like, yeah, no, we we know because our main relationship with you is friendship and not pastoring. But I struggle with that too. Um particularly I think also when we get into talking about like meeting people outside of our faith communities and stuff, like that can also go into like the realm of like dating and trying to have a personal life as a pastor as well. I find myself struggling with that because like my main like wall that I put up on like dates and stuff is like just being like I don't want to do the small talk I want to know what it's like with your soul because that's what I'm comfortable talking about and that's weird you know I don't really think anybody wants to go on a first date and be like um so now I'm going to just tell you all about my childhood trauma um but I think it's it's when you find the people that are like that's what's been helpful for me is finding the people who are like, this is not our relationship. Like this is what our relationship has to be. Um, And I need you to turn off being a pastor and it's okay for you to turn off being a pastor. And that's, that's where I find some help with that is like having my friends hold me accountable to that.
0: Yeah, that's helpful. I've noticed, like, even you and I do that when we're texting or whatever. Like, I'm going to vent right now for five seconds, and I need you to just like say that sucks, and that can be like the extent of your um, of your response. And I think that's super. It's super healthy that we're able to do that with each other. the The thing that has been really life giving to me, which is really not a part of the question, well, people outside of your faith community they're not part of our church necessarily, but they're like people who are like-minded and do different, like do similar things. But we have a group called Bitch and Bible. It's triple B. And um, it's inspired by one of our mentors at Boston University, um, Bishop Susan Hassinger, who allegedly started this group with her female clergy colleagues when they started in ministry. And they were like, in a very different time where there weren't as many of us doing what we do and that kind of thing. And they would get together and talk about, um, they would bitch, they would brag about what they're doing well. And then they would talk about the Bible. Um, and so we started that and that's been a really important, um, I'm not, I'm going to avoid saying spiritual practice because that's not what it's about, but it's been a really important thing for me to have, um, that group of people who really, is willing to hear me speak from a position that they know what I do and they know like what that looks like. They have context for it, but they don't care at the end of the day. Like they're just as happy hearing me um, whine about like how my dog kept me up all night as they are hearing me talk about like what scripture in the Bible is inspiring me, inspiring me right now. Um, and so that's been like a really life-giving thing for me. And it's it's been teaching me about how important – that community is, um, the people who, who really are interested in you as a person and not you as like somebody who's achieving things in order to, um, be better at their job or whatever that looks like. Also, I'm an Enneagram three, if that doesn't like scream itself (laughs) super loud right now as well. Um, yeah, so that's been like a really important thing as far as people outside of my, uh, super close faith community goes.
1: Yeah. And I think, I mean, the best advice I ever got as um, somebody entering the ministry is like to find people who are a part of your support system and find people who will be able to be those like confidants for you, who you will be able to talk to. Um, And I find like, that's a bitch, bitch brag and Bible is for me is like those people who get what I'm doing and get what I'm going through, but who are also willing to listen to the good, the bad, and the ugly of everything else that's going on in my life as well, um, which is really, I think that's why it's so important to find people outside of your faith community, because you really can't talk to people within your faith community about the things that bug you about your faith community. Which is really interesting because one of the biggest struggles is people in your church are going to see you as a part of their church family, but they are not your church family. If that makes sense.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Say more. What I mean by
1: when they see you as their church family, but they are not your church family is basically like a church family is the people that you turn to in a faith community, that's like a system of support for you. Um, and you are a system of support for your congregants and you are a part of that church family for them for whatever amount of time you're there. Um, but they're not that for you because the church is a job. It's not like, it's not like a place that you've chosen to come to because you've connected to the people really well. It's, As a pastor in the United Methodist Church, it's a place that you were appointed to um, and a place that you were like told to go to or asked to go to. Um, And I think that was really obvious when I got into a car accident in January. Obviously, I did not call my church people to help me out with that. I called my family. I called friends. I talked to my support system outside of the church. And then let the church know after everything had sort of been taken care of that this is what had happened. Um, And there is this reaction from people within my church that it's such a loving act, and I'm very grateful for it, um, that they wanted me to reach out to them um, if I ever had some issues in the future again. And it's a lovely act that I'm grateful for, but... For me, that's kind of like crossing and blurring the boundaries where it's like, you know what? I'm really good because I have a solid support system outside of you all. And I appreciate this immensely. And I will let you know if I do need anything immediately in the future. But what's important for me is the support system that I have
0: is, is good. And that is my family right now. I echoed that, that sentiment, um, in when I was, I did a year serving two churches in rural Alaska before I came here, um, to San Diego. And I, uh, midway through like only a couple months into my appointment, like when it got colder in Alaska, my body just like started shutting down. I have some autoimmune issues. And so like, I was super sore and I was, in a lot of pain and was exhausted all the time. And so a lot of that stuff like impacted how I did my job. But when it came to Sunday morning worshiping, or when it came to doing meetings and things like that, I was their pastor. And so as much as they cared about me and my well being, that wasn't something that I was necessarily um, interested in, in communicating, um, because I didn't Because their role is not to be my pastor or not to be my support system. Um, They have a different relationship to me. And so, yeah, I got some of the same comments when I left or when I told them why I was leaving. A lot of like, I wish you would have told us sooner. Um, I I wish we could have, you know, known about this so that we could have helped you and that sort of thing. And there's like a, a half a second of like guilt that came from those conversations because I'm like, oh, maybe I should have like, maybe I shouldn't have kept this a secret or whatever. But the boundaries, like the reality of our job is that the boundaries are so unique in that the, the congregation that we serve is the fact that we serve a congregation is a community, it's a community centered job. And in any other job, I mean, essentially you and I as pastors are like CEOs of a nonprofit essentially, like that's, that's the work that we do if you want to like, make it secular or whatever and take like the God part out of it. That's what we do for our job. And so in any other profession, like you wouldn't go to, you wouldn't go to your job and like spill all the things that are happening in your personal life. But because it's the church, there's this relational aspect that um, blurs those lines a little bit. And so it gets really tricky to be, because you have to ask the question of like how much of a, how much of me, Bailey, do I want to bring to this space where they know me as Pastor Bailey? Um, and there's there's like a certain amount of authenticity that I do choose to bring into that space, but it's very it's very guarded. And so it takes a lot, I don't know, it takes a lot for me to find a balance that works for me and that works for the people that I'm serving as well. Yeah. Yeah. Because I mean, at the
1: end of the day, you're their pastor. And I don't think anybody really wants to, you know, hear about every sorted, not sorted. At the end of the day, you're their pastor. And I think people really don't want to hear every single detail about their pastor's personal life, you know? Um, and I talk to my therapist about this a lot, about this interesting boundary that we have as pastors, where for our people, we are somebody that they know and that they love personally, but this is our job. And kind of finding that balance is, is difficult because you know that you can't um, rely on this community to tend to everything in your whole self. Um, because that's really unhealthy if you start to rely on your congregation in that way. Um, But at the same time, you want them to know that you care about them, that you're there for them. Um, And finding that balance between being authentically myself, but being authentically myself as a pastor um, and figuring out what that looks like is really interesting.
0: Yeah, yeah, I agree. There's a... There's an interesting like push and pull because as pastors, we have to inspire or um, help lead the folks in our care to um, a certain level of authenticity of vulnerability of like opening ourselves up so that we can do the relationship piece well. And so we can be a community in like a healthy way where we're sharing things about ourselves and asking for prayer and things like that. Like we don't function as a church without the, without the people and without the things that people can, can, um, I guess like put into the community itself. Um, but then, yeah, at the same time, there's like, I can be. I can only do that so much like they talk about um, or I've heard it talked about where like you shouldn't be sharing your trauma until it's something that you've worked through. Um, and so that's sort of how I've been approaching like things in my life. Like I went through a big breakup in December. And uh, again, there was like this month long time where luckily it was around Christmas. So I didn't really have to deal with it for a while. But there was this time where I had to um, keep that part of myself while I healed from it. And then finally I, you know, like brought it to the, to people in the congregation because it was relevant to some situation that we were talking about. And, and yeah, it's like, it's so interesting how, it's so interesting how intentional we have to be about placing those boundaries while also encouraging everybody in our care to sort of take those walls down in a lot of ways. Um, but I, I think it's healthy in the long run because we can lead, I think we can lead well from a place of health. And sometimes being in a place of health means that we go somewhere else to work through the stuff that we're working through, like therapy, huge mm-hmm. proponent of therapy, um, friends who who couldn't care less, you know, the, the day-to-day operations of our church, those sorts of people.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean... Yeah, seriously, every pastor should have a therapist. That's one thing that I'm standing by, definitely, because we deal with so much um, that it's good to have a place to go and let go of that in a healthy way, or at least bring it up in a healthy way. But yeah, no, I totally get about like drawing the boundaries, and I think this is something that's especially good for young pastors, and maybe even particularly young female pastors, where my first Sunday at the church, people were asking me if my parents were going to be there. And I was like, absolutely not. Because one, that kind of places me in all of a sudden, you're seeing me as somebody's child, first of all, and not as a pastor. Um, But like, I don't want my parents to meet my church right away because like, that's just, that's for me, a boundary. And so they came in like, I don't know. They've been to my church once. They came in a month after I got there, and I had been able to establish myself as pastor for a month before being like, "Here are my parents. here here they are. I'm somebody's child, and that's all you're gonna see me as now. Um, so yeah, I think kind of figuring out the times when it's okay to loosen those boundaries, but also, letting them see your personal life um, in a way that you control is is what the job of a pastor is. Like we get a say in how much or how little people see, which sounds so performative and sounds, I think you said, a little cold. But I think that's super important because having that control over what people see um, and kind of putting on a performance a little bit is important. Um, you're never faking who you are, but you also are not overwhelming the congregation in a way that makes them either think that you have an unhealthy dependence on them or that you are just completely unfit for the
0: job. Totally, yeah. I was um, listening to uh, Queerology and uh, Cameron Esposito was on there. She's a gay comedian. I mean, yeah. she had said at one point, she said, There's not a huge difference between a comedian and a pastor. And she went on to talk about, like, that. I know, I know, like, it sounds, you were saying it sounds performative, but like, that's in a lot of ways, like, what we do. Like, it's, there's nothing like inauthentic about what we do. And when, when we're talking about it being performative, but like, we, get up, if we're talking about worship, we get up every Sunday morning or whenever you worship, and we have this thing that we've prepared to say and and this ritual that we've prepared to lead. And there are certain steps to that. And there's a certain intention behind it, right, that wants to convey some sort of emotion from the congregation, whether it's um, a feeling of joy, a feeling of looking for the spirit at work in the, in the worship space, whether it's um, a call to action, like and and when you think about like comedy, which I mean you probably be able to speak to this better than I would, but like I feel like in comedy you convey you you intentionally are trying to convey an emotion from people and you're trying to stir them to some sort of action, whether it's like understanding something better from a lens of of comedy, whether it's just making people laugh. Like I, I think that there's a lot of similarities between those two things. And so I was just I just thought it was really um it was something I've never thought about before and it makes me feel a little bit better about um if somebody were to use the word performative to describe what we do like I don't I don't feel like shame in saying that that my job as pastor in a lot of ways is performative because it has to be intentional in some ways and it has to have um a drive behind it that I create or that I um i guess gather from whatever the situation is whether it's like somebody is grieving and i have to like uh, my goal is is a certain thing to lead them from their grieving into a different stage of grief or whatever it happens to be like i i think that um yeah i just found that that connection to be so interesting yeah i really love that and i think um
1: when i When I think about it and the reason why I feel so drawn to stand-up comedy a little more than I did improv is because with stand-up comedy comes that crafting of a narrative and that crafting of a story. And yet there's something so authentic and real about it. Like stand-up comedians or the best comedians draw from their real-life experiences and, and you see the world through their eyes in a way. But it's in a way that they control. So, like when you're watching somebody like Amy Schumer or you're watching um, John Mulaney, somebody like that, you're what you feel like you know them, and you feel like you could like have a conversation with them, and yet there's there's a performative aspect to it because they're controlling how you see them, right? And so. I think that's a lot of like what it's like to be a pastor. Like, as a pastor, your people know you, and there is authenticity in what you're doing. And you know, if if a stand up comedian was inauthentic, they would flop, right? Unless they're pushing it to the extreme inauthenticity, like Bo Burnham does. But if if they're inauthentic and there's nothing based in their reality, it's it's going to flop, and it's going to feel dis disingenuine. Um. And that's a failure. Um, Where And that's the same thing with a pastor is, I mean, we can never push it to the point of ridiculous inauthenticity like you can in comedy. But if you're a pastor and you are so, so performative that it's disingenuine and people don't have an understanding of who you are, you're not going to be a good pastor. Whereas if you if you draw from a place of authenticity, and you kind of craft this pastoral persona in a way that it's you and you know, it's you and you feel authentic about yourself. um, And that you know, you're presenting your authentic self to people just in a way that you control people know that they know you. um, But you also feel safe. And you also feel like you're not crossing any boundaries. And so, yeah, I think that's, I think it's, 100% correct. Comedy and pastoral ministry intersect in a lot of really great ways like that.
0: Yeah. And I think that when you bring that authenticity that you're talking about, like it makes your job so much, it makes my job so much easier when I'm able to say like, this is who I am, like take it or leave it. You're going to see me up here and I'm going to be, you know, I'm going to dress a certain way. I'm going to wear the amount of makeup that feels comfortable to me and I'm not going to apologize for that. I mean, that's like the visual piece of it, but Mm -hmm. I'm also going to, you know, I might throw in a pop culture reference to my sermon. And like, if that's not something that like is comfy with you, then let's have a conversation about it. But like, there are, there are things that I bring to the table that, Other pastors that even you, who like we're in similar age brackets and similar, um, you know, we've gone to school in the same place and things like that, but even you and I have like a huge difference in the things that we're bringing to the table. And the more I think being in the United Methodist Church, it's cool because we come and go and uh, we come into a new church for a specific purpose. And when that specific purpose can be who we really are. And when we can just come in and know that we were, um, it had been discerned that we were coming to this place for a specific reason, because we bring a certain set of skills that, that a church needs in a specific season. Like that just makes, it just makes my job a whole lot easier because I don't have to pretend as much. I don't have to hide things about, uh, what I'm good at or what I struggle with. And, um, yeah, it's freeing, I guess, in a lot of ways. Yeah. Yeah. And I think
1: that's, I think that's one thing that like, I really love is that, I mean, I walked into the church um, and met with the SPRC for the first time last year. And they asked me what my strengths and weaknesses were. And I was like, well, um, one of my weaknesses is dealing with finances. Um, Whereas they're like, what's your strength? I'm like, I really want to push people to be Missional and be more outside the church, and the minute I said that, like I bring to the table, like, hey, I would love to hire some interns this year. We have the money to do that. Let's hire some interns and work with the community garden. And they're like, yeah, that sounds great. And so, being able to do that um, and be authentically myself and all my strengths and weaknesses is really great um, for the congregation. Um, and then. Yeah, that's, that's really fantastic um, when you're able to be yourself. And I think that's why it's so important also to seek people outside of the church um, and your faith community to be friends with and to meet and to meet up with. Because as much as we do present our authentic selves to the church, there's always like, I mean, I'm never going to swear in front of people unless it's an accident. But, like, you know, when I'm talking to my friends, um, I don't have to worry about, like, policing my speech or policing the way I dress or policing anything um, just because, you know, I can fully kind of show the good, the bad and the ugly. Whereas with the church, you kind of want to just show the good and the, the little less than good and the bad and the ugly. It's not healthy for them to see and it's not
0: healthy for you to dump on them either. The most shocking thing that you said there is that they don't teach you about finances in seminary. And I can't believe that that's true.
1: (laughs) What? No, I definitely never sat through a class like that. Yeah. Um, I learned the most about finances in my internship where I sat in on financial meetings at my internship site. And then I was like, oh, this is how I know I'm not good at this stuff because I understand nothing that you are saying. Um, Totally. Yeah. Yeah. But it's good to be able to come into a church and say that and um, have your church be super supportive of the fact that, like, you know, this is one of her not so great strengths. Um, And also uh, have them check me when I'm like, I want to be able to do all of this cool stuff. And they're like, we um, let's look at the budget (laughs) and kind of get the reality check of like, oh, oh, right. Um, Let's dream of how we can do this in a different way.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So to close, um, as we sort of wrap up a little bit, what would you say to someone who's coming to you and asking for ways, they're probably not pastors, um, they might be, but somebody who's looking to meet people outside of their faith community, where would you tell them to start? Uh, What advice would you give them?
1: I think I would just start with what I said at the beginning of really think about the things that you like. Um, Think about your interests and your hobbies. Is there something that you really enjoy doing? Is there something that you've always wanted to do? And then do a quick Google search in your area um, to see if there's groups like that within the area and be like, can I join in? Because I mean, that's how I found the improv comedy class that I took. Um, where I was just like, I'm interested in comedy. I'm interested in doing this. Um, where is something that, uh, I can exercise that sort of interest and really sort of, um, live into it a little bit more. Um, that's where, that's where I would start is, you know, think about your interests outside of your faith community and, um, kind of go from there. And don't be afraid
0: to try and jump into new things because it can be a blast. Well, thank you so much for being a part of this and for taking time away. Um, it's been really cool to get to talk about um, talk about this with like a close friend who uh, shares a lot in common but also has such a different ministry perspective. So thank you for, for being here. So Elizabeth, can you let people know where they can find you, how they can connect with you and your work? Yeah. So um, on Twitter, I'm at
1: Eliz, A-N, herd H-U-R-D, kind of a mashup of all of my uh, names. And then on Instagram, I'm E-A herd. And then you can find my church at Caledonia United Methodist Church on Facebook. And uh, my church on Instagram is Caledonia United Methodist.
0: Perfect. And we'll have all those links in the description too. So you can just um, do an easy click to connect with Elizabeth as Pastor Elizabeth or uh, Elizabeth as the human who um, does comedy and much more. Uh, Again, thank you so much for being here. And um, yeah, hopefully you have a wonderful rest of your day. Thank
1: you. Yeah. Thanks for having me. This was really, really fun.
0: Thank you so much for listening to Ask a Pastor Anything. Be sure to check the episode description for links. You can connect with me on Twitter and Instagram at Bailey N. Bronner. And if you have a question you'd like to be talked about on a future episode, reach out. I'd love to hear from you. You can also submit a voice message by going to anchor.fm slash askapastoranything. See you next time friends!